All right, folks, welcome to the Point Being Podcast. I'm Edward Salai, your opinion writer here at the Daily Star. Sarah's on vacation this week. I'm joined by a few uh, guests will be introducing themselves and the always present cartoonist, David Fitzsimmons. David, say hello. Hello out there. All right. And we also have two of our columnists here at the Daily Star. We're going to start with Joe. Joe Ferguson, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks for having me on. I'm the Star's political writer. Awesome. And then Tim Steller. Hey, I'm a, a Metro columnist for the Star. Awesome. Cool, cool. So today we're going to talk about a few different things, but we're going to jump in with local politics first. Uh, I can't think of two better gentlemen to have here to talk about Prop 205, the sanctuary city proposition here in Tucson. And with ballots just having gone out at the end of last week, I figure it was a good time to sit down and kind of talk about where it's at. Joe, can you kind of update us about where the uh, the electioneering lawsuit uh, is so right now. as we are having this podcast on Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, there's mm-hmm. a status conference between the two parties, between the city of Tucson and the Prop 205 supporters. Um, I don't expect there to be news coming from this, but it's headed through the courts with the Prop 205 supporters arguing that the city of Tucson has crossed the boundaries in putting out newsletters and legal opinions as well as a more recent FAQ on what they believe uh, Prop 205 is about. They argue that the city has crossed the line and has begun to use city re- resources to c- campaign against the Sanctuary City Initiative. All right. And I have a question. You know, it is the age of Trump. Is this illegal? Is this a, is this a legal question? I like the look you're giving me. Right <laughs> now, Joe. <laughs> is, is there a problem with this? I think that with a municipality. I think the question becomes <laughs> is, the bigger question might be this is there probably isn't a legal remedy. With ballots out, there really isn't a possibility that there's anything that can be done to remedy the issue even if the judge finds in favor of the proper two oh five supporters. So it'll be an interesting kind of legal fight to follow. Would it be a just cease and desist, stop that, knock it off kind of thing? They could, but I don't know how you take back... You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Well, especially newsletters and other public documents. You can't just have them scrapped. So I think it's a very interesting kind of legal question at this point. But it's going to be academic is what you're saying, right? It's it, 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 it it's They filed too late to have, to have any effect, right? I think so, but I think that you know the timing of the the in recent memo that was signed by Magnus, right Rankin and Ortega, some of the highest honchos in terms of city government came out after ballots went out. So I think there were the prop two or five people were really kind of pushed into a corner on this issue. In other words, there were previous incidents that maybe didn't rise to the same level until after the ballots came out and then they put out this FAQ. Yeah, and that yeah. was pushed by, you know, some pretty high-level members of the council as well as staff. So it's unclear how many people got it, but once it's out in the wild, you can imagine it it circulated far and wide. So then I I guess the question then becomes where, or maybe it's more of a question for Tim here, what do you think, where do you think it stands just as far in the public here? What's the split right now? Yeah, I have no idea uh, whether we're going to vote for it or vote against it. If I had to um, bet, I would guess we'll end up voting against it. Uh, but I think there's a big um, – there's a lot of people who want to be um, 
assertively welcoming to uh, undocumented residents, especially people who are here, who have family here, who may be uh, legally in the country, but they themselves are not. Uh, I think there's a lot of people, I would say a solid faction of Tucson wants to reach out like that and and, uh, take a risk, as we can explain, to offer them um, greater legal protections. But that's, um, you know, uh, maybe a politically progressive, uh, maybe religiously progressive also um, faction of the city. I'm just I, I, I sometimes think that they think they are Tucson, that mm-hmm. they represent Tucson as it is and mm-hmm. that they don't realize that there's this whole vast acreage stretching out across the east side past, you know, Camino Seco all the way out to Houghton and. Uh, there's a lot of variety in people's opinions. Um, there's conservative parts of Tucson, and and I just I I will be surprised. I think if those people don't vote against it, especially with the campaign as it's finally been mounted at the end here. Now, I thought your uh, your piece that was in the Daily Star this weekend was actually pretty interesting because you kind of touched on that 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 real split between those folks who probably identify themselves as liberal better or find themselves on the the anti side of this and the folks who like you said kind of think of themselves as the voice of tucson uh, wh- why do you think that there's such a sp- this issue is such a split between the, those well, two groups I mean, that are usually natural constituencies yeah i mean i think that's that's it's almost the bernie hillary split um the same kind of crowd um so they might all be Democrats or largely leaning toward being Democrats, but they they have different ways of looking at the world. And, um, you know, the institutions of power in Tucson uh, don't want to take this risk. Mm-hmm. They they consider it a risk because they think it'll put state shared revenue, uh, $126 million of it, uh, at risk and other um, police grants and such. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, uh, you, we can debate each and every one of these potential risks some are more likely than others but um the fact is that the kind of liberal mainstream of tucson uh it has taken a stand to be against taking these risks uh, they are risk averse and whereas the progressive pushing the initiative uh want to take the risk they say as we should be reaching out and asserting our um authority as much as we can to welcome undocumented uh, to to make Tucson Tucson the most welcoming city it can be for its existing undocumented residents. Gotcha. But I think that we really need to talk about turnout for a moment. I think that Tim has given us a good analysis of the overall political makeup of Tucson, but who's showing up at the polls yeah. on a non you know odd year election where the top of the ticket depending on how you look at it is either 205 or the mayor's race there isn't a republican candidate for mayor there you know there are some kind of lopsided races out there in terms of candidacies and so you know i don't know who's going to turn out but i assume majority of it is going to be democrats and so that kind of balancing of where you're talking about the east side turning out if they turn out for 205, I think that your analysis is probably spot on. But generally speaking, historically, looking at it's Democrats that are turning out in, in election years like this. Yeah, and your point's well taken because um, who's motivated by 205? The supporters, I mm-hmm. think. And there is some uh, energy behind the anti-campaign, but the supporters 
are really motivated and uh yeah they they could um, distort for lack of a better word the turnout because they they really are 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 energized do you see this sort of schism between that more liberal wing of the democratic party and the the side that's going to be kind of on that on that anti prop 205 side do you see this as being sort of a schism that will last into next year's uh presidential election to where it, where the stakes are a little bit higher, at least for the federal election, they're not going to be able to depend on a certain wing of the Democratic Party to show up for a candidate. I'm going to steal the uh, uh, something from last year and talk about the non-existent pro-205 Regina Romero supporters out there. I think that there are going to be people that you know are going to back the Democratic candidates and they're going to vote their conscience on 205. And I think that you're going to see you know that kind of convalesce next year. I'm I'm getting early signals about, you know, different races. I don't see challengers coming up for Grijalva or against um uh, uh Patrick. Kirkpatrick. Um although I do see one you for O'Halloran. So I, I just I think that, you know, you're not gonna necessarily see that democratic schism unless there are primaries for Yeah, them. I don't if you don't see primaries. Okay. So and I mean as for the the race for president, I mean, all bets are off. We're a year out. Yeah, I mean, you can. This is an existing split that's never going to go away, but it won't necessarily. I mean, for example, when Joel Feynman ran against uh, Barbara Lawal mm-hmm. for the Democratic uh, nomination for Pima County Attorney, that's the same split. I mean, Feynman is very active in this pro two hundred five campaign, mm-hmm. and um, frankly, they're very interested in criminal justice reform. That the same group it would be. Uh, it would be unsurprising if they also. Uh, sought an initiative on on uh reducing um, the jail pipeline and that kind of thing so you both touched a little bit on the mayoral race um obviously we've got rahina romero she's let's just say it she's the favorite um she's the democrat running right now she's running against the, the main rival right now would be ed ackerley where do you see that race sitting right now obviously the dems have a huge registration uh, advantage in pima county although i believe independents outnumber both the democrats and the no they democrats are are on top then it's independents then it's republicans but you know there's a old adage about independents largely look like their neighbors so if you are in a deep blue district the independents in that district reliably vote democratic as well as a rule, but so it's hard to say, you know, how much of a and registration advantage she has because Ed Ackerley was until January a Democrat. He is campaigning on a number of issues, but he's also campaigning on an issue of making the buses free. I mean, that is not exactly a deep conservative kind of methodology. So I think, you know, people can get caught up on labels a little bit when we talk about, you know, what the independent candidate is. Mm. I think there's the assumption that he is a proxy for the Republican Party. He, oh yeah, I mean he's not a he's not a proxy maybe, but he is the person who Republicans he's could, their de facto have, choice yeah have right circled now. around. Yeah, sure. um, and yeah, the those who are more conservative in Tucson support him. Um, whether that adds up to anything is questionable. I would say because first of all, he doesn't have any organization. He's talked frequently about how hard it was to get three hundred ten dollar donations. Now, that's not hard for a person with an organization behind him, but it's hard for a guy who's just uh, launched a campaign independently like he has. 
So let's go ahead and move on to another institution here in Tucson, Tucson Unified School District. They've had an interesting last two weeks uh, with Mark Stegman stepping down, the revelation that, of course, uh, enrollment continues to fall. And then yesterday, or excuse me, two days ago with uh, board member Rachel Sedgwick uh, basically alleging that the Daily Star, uh, who we are a part of here, uh, is uh, in cahoots with the Grijalva uh, political, I might as well be crime family, uh, <laughs> with uh, the way she was talking about it, uh, and her Facebook post that she put up uh, basically alleging this whole thing. Um, I, I Number one, I, I have my daily word that's up online right now if you want to visit Tucson.com and visit the opinions page. Gentlemen, what do you have to have to say? What do you, what do you guys think about what uh, Miss uh, Miss Sedgwick had to say about our well? I mean, it's, it's bonkers, <laughs> and um, bonkers. yeah, it's That's pretty brutal. <laughs> no, we'll I, edit that out. Yeah, could be slander. No, the her comment is bonkers, and it um, goes to show that honestly, she doesn't belong in public office, uh, in my opinion. This is Tim. Uh, the columnist, not Joe, the reporter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I say that with some consideration, having watched her career, and uh, you know that she she has she will not recognize her own wrongdoings, and rather than recognizing that, uh, maybe apologizing. I'm not even asking for that, but at least acknowledging that she messed up in this in trying to obtain her state bar. Um, what is it, licensure? Yeah. Um, you know, she didn't provide full information about being arrested and that sort of thing. Uh, she should acknowledge that. Instead, she went off on this, uh, as I said, bonkers conspiracy theory that um, somehow the fact that the star, the Arizona Daily Star's parent company is Lee Enterprises. Yep. And our CEO is Kevin Mowbray, which I learned yep. from her post. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> I had no idea who it was either. And <laughs> he apparently um, it serves on some boards yep. in Missouri. Yes. Now, our company is based in Davenport, Iowa, so that's close to Missouri, but whatever. And Raul Grijalva has pushed some legislation that also relates to what? Public lands in Missouri? I public think? lands and I think education. Yeah. Right. So um, somehow that adds up to the fact that there's a, a conspiracy. I, I, let me just read a bit of this. For example, Grijalva is chairman of the committees that advise Congress on two open land bills in Missouri. Uh, he is also on the House Education and Workforce Committee, which has jurisdiction over schools, etc. These connections raise my eyebrows, she said. I suspect <laughs> there are many more. I mean, come on. If you go searching for – if you're going to go that far out, exactly, then you can find a conspiracy anywhere. I think it was interesting that um, – I guess with that post right there that you just read from, she is basically falling back on what I think has become kind of what what politicians do now in that – Oh, it's the mean old media that's out to get me, and it's all a conspiracy. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. doubled down on that. I posted this in my Facebook page, and uh, she has doubled down on the idea that it's not news, um, that uh, it wasn't news, she says, when I graduated from law school. It wasn't news when I passed the bar. It wasn't news when the TUSD board elected me to be clerk. It, she goes on and says, alleges that this is not news. 
I'm sorry. Uh, when it's you're trying news. to be a lawyer, it is. Yes. Yeah, when, hello. You're, when you're an elected <laughs> official who's also uh, publicly pondering a run for uh, Pima County Supervisor, this is exactly the kind of vetting you should be getting and that you should expect. That's exactly it. And Good. I'll say that, well, we haven't touched on it. This wasn't her first kind of major political faux pas that she's had since being elected to office. Do you know who she is? Oh, Rachel and I have spoken. Uh, when she filed for supervisor, she filed in the wrong district, and she claimed a different political party than she's running in now. So, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that she's uh, stepped in other issues. So I think that careful scrutiny of her um, is important, especially as she looks to be, you know, running a county that's, you know, larger than the size of Rhode Island. Yeah. So now. I, I I also want to. Does this speak to something a larger maybe problem in the TUSD school district? Just Her? with who it's selecting? No, I mean I don't think so. I, for me, it was a fluke when she won, mm -hmm. um, and she uh, she did some campaigning that was targeted that um, uh, went toward um, independents and conservatives. So she she maybe did something smart, but there was a big group of pretty unknown candidates, and she just happened to come out of it the mm -hmm. victor, uh, and. Uh, um, you know, she has had a chance to prove herself, and I suspect that that'll be her last chance because she has not proven herself. She's also running in a very strong uh, Democratic district against an incumbent. I think that she's got a political uphill battle it, against Richard Elias. Is she officially is she officially running then? Or that's that's her? a complicated kind of thing. She has put in papers saying that she tends to run, but she has to turn in signatures before she's officially qualified for the ballot, and that's many moons away from now. Gotcha. As a cartoonist, I'm disturbed by all of your observations about a fine public servant whom I hope I hope she flourishes. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I anticipate drawing her. Is that malice of forethought? <laughs> Perhaps it is. I come back from a two-week vacation. I just finished drawing up Stegeman as Don Quixote uh, leaving uh, the windmill of TUSD, still standing and intact. And then Sedgwick does this. All I can say is, mon Dieu, thank you, God. TUSD is the gift that keeps on giving. You this time. Um, so from one uh, institution here in town to our our presidency here, or whatever we'd like to call it now in this day and age. Uh, Trump has, uh, he's really gone Trump this week. Um, he got up today and started talking about how uh, the U.S. and Italy's relationship goes back to Roman times. What, uh, what do you think of the impeachment process right now? And is it being, is, is it just something that's getting lost in the weeds with, Basically, everything happening around this presidency, Tim, you can, Tim or Joe, whoever wants to go first. I'll go. Uh, this is Tim. I um, I don't think so. I mean, I think yes, his his presidency has had a constant um, flood of news, mm -hmm. and it, probably by design. I think people have I've read about that. That you know, keeping people on their toes is part of um, retaining and sustaining power. Um, but. You know, clearly the impeachment is driving him and some Republicans crazy, and so I don't see any chance that he's going to be able to ignore it going forward. I mean, I think it's it's just going to, as long as the Democrats stick to it, it's just going to keep building. You know, dominoes uh, fall and have an effect on the other dominoes. So you don't think the media is going to pick up on his "Where's Hunter" 
kind of. Uh, oh no, I know. I, I mean, I'm sure they will. Uh, <laughs> Why not? Uh, I mean, we're, there's a lot of the media is a big entity, and so some outlets will and some won't. And I personally think it's fine if Hunter Biden is investigated. Um, but it, the question is whether the president should have inserted himself the way he did. That's a whole. That's a whole other question. I think that, you know, the question becomes for us is that looking at the delegation and whether we're going to see wavering support from people that have largely supported the president. Um, I saw, you know, very, very recently uh, Martha McSally actually break a little bit from the president in a tweet or in a public uh, release that she put out where she condemned the uh, image of John McCain uh, that was shown in Mar-a-Lago that you know, had the president attacking journalists and political enemies. And, you know, generally speaking, we don't see that kind of criticism very often. Even if it's tangential to the Trump administration, it's, it does kind of show that, you know, there are people that are beginning to distance themselves from him at this point as he's become more of a political liability. Yeah, we don't know how far that's going to go. Um, it's 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 interesting because it's so open, you know, the these— Anything could happen, and this, for example, this thing with withdrawing support from the Kurds yeah, has nothing to do with impeachment, and yet it does. Yes, because um, Republicans who may not want to vote to remove him from office eventually may be more tempted to, over the long run, if they find that he's offending them or violating their uh, beliefs in other ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, this kind of goes back to an interesting thing I've seen you kind of talking about, Tim where the critics of the uh, impeachment process are really seem to be critics of the process and not so much what what the evidence seems to be here. Why do you think they're falling back on these process arguments? Well, I think it's self-evident because the president um, commits crimes in in plain sight and then acts as if they're normal. Mm -hmm. And so when you can't defend against that, then you fight the process. Um, and there's you know plenty to argue about in the process, but it's important you know for example the question of whether um, Matt Gates, this one representative, should have been allowed into the questioning of yesterday. The, yeah, yeah, yesterday you know he he's not on the committees that were questioning one of the witnesses, so they had him thrown out. Um, but other Republicans were present. Uh, so I mean, the funny thing is there is no. It's not laid out in the Constitution how you impeach other than mm-hmm. that the House impeaches and the Senate removes from office. And so while there have been two or three uh, efforts to impeach someone in our history, it's not like there's a rule book written. Yeah, there's no guidebook to how this. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there's fairness and unfairness. But the thing is, it's really I think maybe another non-strategic reason that people are getting caught on process um, is that if people think impeachment is removal from office. Mm -hmm. I think that that really remains one of the sticking points here that we all have had that belief, I'm sure, uh, thinking impeachment means removal. It doesn't. It means charging. In ninth grade, I did. Yes, right. (laughs) But lots of people still think that. So no wonder they're hooked or stuck on the procedural questions because they think if he gets impeached, he's going to be removed from office. That's not the case. Not sure. Then the latter question is whether he can run again. Oh yeah, <laughs> if he's after, if he's removed from office, yeah. yeah. So that there there have been times where only a few federal judges have been barred from running again, and so the question will be, on top of it all, if we ever get to the point where the Senate votes on it, whether they'll go to the extra step of barring him from being 
running for office mm-hmm. for a second term. No, I, you know, I don't think it matters if he gets to that point. It's it's um, it, he's not going to have this. Unfortunately, the I, I can think of a couple of politicos that have <laughs> had been embroiled in major scandals and yeah, come right back. Missouri, to go back to our topic earlier, did elect a dead person a couple, of, you know, a decade ago. So it's when possible. It, an interesting aspect of this is whether you know people naturally assume, uh, probably rightfully, that Republican senators won't go for impeachment uh, removal after impeachment. Uh, that's probably a safe assumption, but I think the really interesting thing about the times we're in is that we just don't know. Uh, there's, we don't know what's going to come out uh, from the investigation. That could be really telling, and it could move some people. Mm-hmm. Separately, their strategy, if they think they can have Trump removed and they have a better shot with Pence, maybe there will be a deal struck in the back room as an, and some people will go. I mean, I don't know. It's just I don't think it's preordained that they will not vote for re- removal. That's interesting. Dave, you got anything else? You got some uh, if, something from France? If Pence becomes embroiled in this and then Pence is impeached, then... I have a Nancy woman Pope. to draw. Uh, France. Uh, okay, I have an anecdote. I was, I was looking. I was so I was in France, right, uh, standing on the Arc de Triomphe, and I looked up a, a YouTube video of the liberation and the the French marching under the Arc de Triomphe, so happy, so pleased, so victorious. They end up in the courtyard in front of Notre Dame, where they are fired upon by collaborating snipers, diehards. That's the joy of the Trump era. Those diehards out there. Well, do you think, uh, what do you think? Are, are the diehards vulnerable to uh, uh, losing their loyalty? I mean, is it possible Trump supporters will be stripped away from their support? Perhaps like me, you've, you've, you've had conversations on the phone with supporters and email exchanges, and uh, I've had quite a number, and I'm... I'm impressed by uh, the consistency of the depth of uh, their belief, which I view from my position as uh, utterly irrational and indefensible. Um, However, for those who are angry enough with me to call me up, it is essentially a a religious belief system. Uh, Even if the body disappears, I'm sure they will claim that he will have risen from the tomb. I have spent enough time out in political circles, though. I remember 2016 really well, and I remember the motivated Trump voters who saw themselves getting ahead in the economy. I knew people that were, you know, working very blue-collar jobs that thought if Trump was elected, they would become manager, and their manager would become the district manager, and the and the waitress would become the hostess, and. I don't know necessarily if they are seeing that kind that of economic. It really is good, good metaphor, Joe. I don't think that that necessarily has been something that's happened. I went to Iowa this year to um, talk to farmers, and I'm sorry, yeah, they felt very different about the election three years later. Because why they're not doing so well due to the um, tariffs. Tariffs, tariffs. Or, yeah, you know they were. There were some of them that were very clear with us reporters talking to us that it wasn't tariffs and it wasn't, you know, they weren't getting money from the government. They were getting support. I mean, they were very careful with their words, but they were also 
very leery about what to plant next year. <laughs> that I, it brings back to mind um, the famous uh, Bill Clinton campaign slogan. It's just it's the economy, stupid, right? Okay. Very famous. Uh, I think it's really almost sad for Trump that he is learning that in fact it's not just the economy, stupid. Because I mean, he's facing a po- probable impeachment with. What is, while not evenly distributed, still, by most measures, a strong economy. But if there's a recession next year, which some people are predicting, that could change a lot of components for a lot of people. Yeah, It's hard to blame the previous president for a recession three years into your term. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. David, I think that was a pretty good episode, yeah? That was. I'm ready for some more wine. <laughs> All right. There's no wine in here. I have some water. Could so, you turn it? Yeah. yeah. So with that, uh, I'll remind you that all these views expressed here today are not necessarily those of Lee Enterprises. And for David Fitzsimmons and Sarah Gasson, I'm Edward Salaya. Thank you so much for listening to the Point Being Podcast. Have a good one.